0: and Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, <laughs> but
1: hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want.
0: <laughs> Two people just winging it in life, and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting.
2: Hi, welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm your new co-host, Laura. Hi, yay,
1: welcome, Laura. And I am one of your old co hosts, Scary.
0: And I too am one of the old co hosts, Archie.
1: <laughs> this week's episode is the Laura Show. Um, we <laughs> as it should to, be, as it always should be, uh, we are able to officially announce that Laura is no longer a recurring guest host and she is going to be one of our permanent co hosts. So now you got three of us, and um. It was just really a matter of, you know, hammering out the negotiation and details of her contract and her demands. Um, sorry, you didn't get the golden microphone you wanted. It's okay. As long as I only get green M&Ms, that's fine. <laughs> and that's how we're paying her. <laughs> wow. right? Exactly. And it's about right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more than,
0: Archie she gets paid. Fair enough. Well, I mean, if she's getting okay. green M&Ms, she's getting paid more than that.
1: it's all about the groupies (laughs) podcast groupies are a thing that's all i'm here for that's all she's here for um so so yes welcome laura official new co-host lots of different updates and things like that that we're going to be making to the website and to the logo and all of that fun stuff but that'll come in due course uh listen to how professional i sound um (laughs) basically when koi and i Get fucking around to it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so coming early 2020 or 2022. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs>
1: Be on the lookout for that. Um, so I only have one EDP today and it really is a, like an update or an announcement. It's just a fun article that I found this morning that I thought, um was amusing to me, and um, since we are constantly saying that words are hard here at History of a Haunting, I thought I would tell you about uh, the, and I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but maybe you are. Um, hold on, an ad just popped up, and now I can't see my article. Um, <laughs> did you know that there is a university that every year does a list of banished words and phrases that were overused in the previous year? Did you guys know I that that was a thing? I-
0: I think I should know that that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know that? You're like, I do now. It's fine. I do now. Yeah.
1: We're yes. good. <laughs> okay. Um, seriously, go away. What is with you? Okay. Um, so it's an article that I found on CNN this morning about these words and phrases that have top 10 words and phrases that are overused to the point of becoming insincere, useless, or cliche. And for 2020, it's pretty much all about COVID-19. Oh boy. So I thought I'd read you the words that they have decided need to be banished um, and see if you guys agree. I can't guarantee I'll say them all correctly or pronounce them in the right way, but that's what we have Aaron for. So apparently people can submit words that they hate to be banished for the upcoming year. And over 1,450 phrases were nominated from around the world for consideration. <laughs> <laughs> um, seven of the 10 phrases that this university selected for so-called banishment this year are about the coronavirus. They include COVID-19, social distancing, we're all in this together. Oh boy. Unprecedented, pivot, uh, which I don't actually recall hearing pivot overused, except when Jennifer and I are talking about that Friends episode, but (laughs) I mean, the whole world wouldn't know that. Um, Also, any variation of in an abundance of caution and in these uncertain times. So do you guys agree with that, with those so far? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, a thousand percent, for sure. Um, (laughs) They said that um, they have compiled their annual list of (laughs) list of words banished from the queen's english for misuse overuse and general uselessness since new year's day 1976 i had no idea this list was a thing for so long
0: oh my god right That's awesome. hysterical.
1: i know i think it's wonderful the list seeks to uphold protect and support excellence in language so of course i'm the one talking about it because i also follow that to the letter carrie um, <laughs> <Kerry>, talk good carrie <laughs> talk good Boat, ship, what? I don't know, that thing. <laughs> um, uh, by encouraging the avoidance of words and terms that have been overused to the point of being ineffective, baffling, or irritating, which baffling is a word I love and I think we should use it more often here in the podcast. Um, <laughs> the, some of the other ones that didn't, uh, or I'll talk to some, I'll say some of the ones that didn't make the cut, but might next year, But people named Karen may be glad to hear that the term Karen also made the list. (laughs) So apparently the university stated that what began as an anti-racist critique of the behavior of white women in response to black and brown people has become a misogynist umbrella term for critiquing the perceived over-emotional behavior of women. So now it's just become overused. So anytime a woman gets angry or mad, like in public or whatever, she's a Karen. Yeah. This I kind of have to agree with, like any yeah. little, even if it's like valid or whatever, generally what I've been hearing is like women that are are blowing shit out of proportion. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of yeah, yeah. see that one. Um, it also called for the ending of the use sus, the shortened form of suspicious that is actually ubiquitous in the hit video game Among Us. Now, I've never heard of this video game,
2: have you? Oh my God. Zane plays it all the time. And if I have to hear mom, you're sus one more time. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) run straight into a wall. Everything is sus. What is is this video game? Like what is it? The premise is, so you play with other players online and one person is an imposter who goes around like kind of killing the other characters and then they get together and vote and try to figure out who it is. And if somebody's
1: suspicious, it's sus. Right. Okay, so Laura does agree with this. Every kid I know plays this game. They're obsessed with it, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard Koi mention it, but I'm going to ask him when we're done here. Oh. Um, But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, nominators of the term felt it was too lazy to not spell out entirely. It should be limited to online play only.
0: Laura agrees. Laura agrees. <laughs>
1: yes, one hundred percent. So, other other words that were under consideration for banishment was or phrases was flatten the curve, uh, new normal, um, and also which I uh, was a little offended by because I say it all the time. It, I know, right? That's another one that rounded out the list. Um, Nominators felt the phrase was nonsensical in asking a question one already knows the answer to and comes off as insecure. And the article ends with, honestly, we're not sure about that last one. Seems kind of sus. (laughs) But I was so amused by it. I had no idea this thing existed. And I'm glad that it does because there's, there's a lot of those words that I'm like, flatten the curve and you know, the new normal. And
0: yeah, how do we, how do we suggest terms?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, it's done for this year, but for next year you can, um, I will send you the CNN article and it's a, some university in somewhere America. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So that you can submit your words, just keep a note. Um, And that's all I've got. Uh, Arch, why don't you, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Patreon.
0: Oh God. so we've started up um, producing content for our Patreon subscribers again. I know that we had talked previously about putting Erin up there, doing her, her fun little thing, correcting us.
1: Yes. That's actually, I think we haven't really, I think that's going to be for the regular episodes, not necessarily just Patreon, but um, yes, I know she's been working on that during her holiday time off. Um, with the school being closed for the holidays, so. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, um, we started up doing our conspiracy theories, which we recorded the first one today, which I thought was incredible. Yeah? I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) So if any of you guys have any suggestions for kind of spooky or just weird... Yeah, anything with a paranormal tinge. Yeah, yeah. The word I was looking for. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, like aliens or weird abductions or disappearances that have no rational explanation or um, cryptids. You know, like Bigfoot or you know, Chessy, creepy pastas, anything like that. We're going to cover in um, our little conspiracy theory section of Patreon.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. And, of course, we can be found at patreon.com slash podcast.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, we've got two different donor levels, a $2 level and a $5 level. Um, at all levels, you will get um, a history of a haunting bingo card. You can fill it out and follow along. There's a number of boxes that get checked in every single episode, <laughs> like <laughs> Archie groans because I've said something dumb. Uh <laughs> uh we mess up we say words are hard and uh tater barks because tater is a bingo square so any number of things that you can follow along just some fun little thing we send you stickers thank you cards we do send you gifts on um different certain holidays like we sent our patreons uh halloween gifts we sent our patreons krampus night gifts this year so Yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, And then at the $5 level, you do get the additional um, extra content. So everybody gets early releases. Episodes drop on Saturdays and we send Patreons, get the episodes on Wednesday mornings of that week. And then uh, what else, Arch? We, oh God. Oh, well, yeah, and then the additional content. So like mini Mm -hmm. episodes, um, including, Uh uh-oh, 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 get down. Wow. Um. Okay, <laughs> before my dog threw up, we were talking about Patreon. So yes, everybody at the 2 and $5 levels does get early episodes released every Wednesday. Everybody at the $5 level does get the bonus content of the mini episodes that we do that we're going to start back up with, and then our new conspiracy theories that we're going to be talking about. So really, like Archie mentioned, anything that's a cryptid or aliens or a creepypasta or anything just really spooky, we're going to give to all of the patrons at the $5 and up level. And um, yeah, then, you know, gifts throughout the year because we love you. And thank you so, so much. So patreon.com at HOH Podcast. All right. Okay, Arch, take it away. Uh, tell Laura and the people where we're taking them today. And I think Laura's going to really enjoy this because you and I were just talking about the city yesterday.
0: Okay, so, boys and girls, <laughs> we are going to learn about the old Charleston jail in Charleston, South Carolina, United States of America. Yay, I'm excited. All well, of my information was found on atlasobscura.com and sc, South Carolina, pictureproject.org. I thought it was Santa Claus. Oh, of course you did. The original structure was built in 1802 and served as the city jail from 1803 to 1939. Wow. Yeah, the front interior of the jail still retains the original structure that was built in 1802, but the rest of the jail, as it is today, was built in 1855 when it was remodeled after and was rebuilt. Wow. Just
1: start that over because I'm not going to be able to edit that (laughs) that out. (laughs) (laughs) The your are rewind. Words are hard. We say it all the time. This'll make it easier.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: That, yeah, we are of the belief that alcohol makes speaking easier.
0: <laughs> Me talk so good. I talk gooder.
1: (laughs) Alcohol make brain talk gooder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The original structure was built in 1802 and served as the city jail from 1803 until 1939. The front interior of the jail still retains the original structure that was built in 1802, but the rest of the jail, as it is today, was built in 1885 when it was remodeled and the arched facade towers and octagon were added to give the jail an authentically imposing appearance love the design of this jail sorry i'm jumping in it's really cool it looks like it's some sort of black castle it does it's beautiful it's really cool have you ever seen it laura have you ever heard Mm -hmm. of this place
1: no no oh man it's really
0: cool it's great The, the jail housed several convicts ranging from murderers to petty criminals throughout its extensive history. Each floor of the jail kept a different type of inmate. The ground floor accommodated the jailers and the quote gentlemen prisoners. The second floor held the minor criminals like debtors and prostitutes and the third floor retained the hardened criminals such as murderers and thieves. That's
1: interesting, actually, that the third floor housed those folks. Right. Because in the 1910 jail in Globe, they kept the more hardened criminals down on the first floor closer to the guards.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. Interesting. All right, go
0: on. Yeah. I guess uh, each each coast had its different ideas of where where the bad ones should be.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Which I still find funny that the debtors and prostitutes were on the same level because... That's just self fulfilling prophecy over and over. <laughs> now,
1: were the debtors in debt to the prostitutes, or how?
0: <laughs> well, after a couple of days, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Among this prison's most famous occupants was the notorious Lavinia. Lavinia. Lavinia, fish. Thank you. Lavinia Fisher, who was hanged in Charleston in 1820, the first woman in South Carolina to receive the death penalty, she is also credited with being America's first serial killer. Though she officially was convicted of highway robbery, and her role as a murderess remains unproven. According to legend, her last words were: quote, if anyone has a message for the devil, tell me and I'll deliver it myself. That's hardcore. And, and,
1: and in the 1800s, too. Like that's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. That's behavior of a woman that is just so shocking and stunning that, yeah. Yeah. I have read about her.
2: Have you? I remember those uh, last words. Yeah. I yeah. know at some point. Yeah. She's a very intense,
0: intense individual. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, marauding. Pirates in port and federal prisoners of the Civil War were also housed here during the jail's sordid history. There were hundreds of Union soldiers who passed through the jail, so many so that the jail itself could not contain them, and most of the Union prisoners of war were forced to stay out in the jail yard in dilapidated tents. Yeah. Denmark Vesey was famously held in the jail's ominous looking tower as he awaited being put to death put to death after his slave rebellion plot was discovered. Four of his white supporters were also jailed here, though they were not hanged because of course. While there is documented proof that a few of the more hardened offenders were hanged in the jail yard, many of the prisoners in the Charleston city jail were petty criminals at best. Most prisoners died from natural causes or diseases at the jail, and not from brutal torture or being hanged for their criminal offenses. In 1886, a great earthquake rattled Charleston, and although the jail survived, parts of the structure were severely damaged. A ventilation tower and the fourth floor of the jail were torn down, never to be replaced. The 20-foot wall that encircled the jail suffered so much damage that it was reduced down to 15 feet. Oh, wow. A workhouse that had been built beside the jail did not survive the earthquake at all and had to be demolished. In 1911, a man by the name of Daniel Duncan, who was convicted of murder, was officially the last person hanged at the jail. The gallows were dismantled and removed, never to be used again. By the 1930s, the jail was in its decline, and the city of Charleston, along with the housing authority, wanted to build a new low-income apartment building across the street from the jail. A playground was to be built inside the jail yard, so 11 more feet of the original wall were removed to allow more sunlight into the jail yard. So basically, after the jail was closed down, it was repurposed to serve the neighborhood. Oh, okay. Okay. The bricks that were removed from the wall were used to build those apartment buildings across the street from the jail. Uh, After 136 years as the Charleston City Jail, it was decommissioned and closed its doors on December 16th, 1939. Okay. The jail sat abandoned and was only used for storage for the next 40 years before becoming a museum in the late 1970s. (sighs) In the late 1990s, the Charleston Housing Authority sold the jail to what would eventually become the American College of the Building Arts. Yes, this is a cool story. This is very cool. I knew you
1: were going to love it.
0: (laughs) The school was not granted a license till 2004, and the college now uses the jail as a learning tool while also renovating and restoring the historical structure. The school offers a Bachelor of Applied Sciences in the building arts and six craft specializations, and students frequently host galas and tours tours, to benefit the school's program. Uh, In the fall of 2019, plans were underway to completely renovate the structure as a mixed-use property. On the ground floor, the museum will remain, and the storied history will be laid out. On the upper floors, the former cells and officers' quarters will be reconfigured into office space. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So they really had a good opportunity here, which I thought they were going to go with.
1: That's what it sounded like when you were going on. And I was like, great.
0: Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, they're actively showing students within the building they're occupying how to renovate and restore historical structures. And then, nah, we're just going to turn it into offices. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's that's what I've got. Great job. We're trying to keep it. Short Cause there was a lot more to it. There was so
1: much. I was like so many articles of the hauntings and everything too, that I was like, okay, this is a tiny gold mine in Charleston. I mean, they have, there's so much haunted in, in Charleston. And, and Laura and I were talking about that yesterday. Yeah. This place was, it's, it's not, you know, it's not as well known I think as the Hill house, which we have covered on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you almost you can't throw a rock in in
0: Charleston in without Char- a place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, okay, great, Laura. What would you think of the history?
2: It's pretty interesting.
1: Um,
2: I think it's super weird what they're doing with it now, but um, it does. it is cool. At least that it's mostly intact so far. So far, they're it. keeping it going. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I feel like it, it, it's such a historic location that you, you would almost want to preserve it um, mm-hmm. as is.
0: As Yeah, yeah, yeah one, one would hope.
1: Well, and there's
2: going to be so much interest too. I mean, um, with the first known female serial killer, you know, having been hanged there and incarcerated there and that whole story is super interesting. So um, you would think that a lot of people would be interested to go kind of see that
1: where she was held and they could definitely promote that story. Oh, for sure. I think it will probably, it probably comes down to how much, you know, can they make more money doing it the way they're doing it or Mm
0: -hmm. keeping it as a historical.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Historical sites don't really generate a ton of revenue.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, office space. (laughs) And that's very true, especially like, like now, like there's a lot of like locations that we have covered that, you know, tourism is, it's a big, it's a big um, moneymaker for a lot of cities and towns, but right now it, it ain't doing a whole lot. So. exactly. So, um, all right. Yes. That arch, I love it. You're you never ever fail to make it hard to follow. Um, so, After that wonderful history, we will be right back after this promo from one of our buddy podcasts, and then we'll get into the Ghosts.
0: Morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me, Emily G. Thompson, author of Unsolved Child Murders, Cults Uncovered, and co-author of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Using investigative research combined with primary audio, including 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony, Morbidology takes a look at some of the world's most heinous murders. Do you
2: know why you're here? for a uh, home in gone terribly wrong.
0: Listen to Morbidology now on Apple, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever else you get podcasts.
1: All right, welcome back, guys. All right, let's get into the ghosts, but I really love this location because... It's got some true crime in it, so I'm going to tell the full story in detail. It's going to be a four-hour episode of Lavinia Fisher. Just kidding. I'm not going to go. Archie's like, what? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm not going to go. I know you're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So my sources are ghostcitytours.com, charlestonterrors.com, scetv.org, counton2.com, CharlestonCityPaper.com, TheGenXTravels.com, DripAdvisor.com, and, uh, hold on, I forgot the name of it. I didn't write it on my notes, but I have to say it. ABCNews4.com. Wow. I got a lot. I got a lot. Um, I also have, it's another episode where I have a photo to send you guys when we get to that part of my um, history. And I want you guys to take a look at it and tell me what you think. So I'm going to start my part with this quote. For those who survived prison, for them the triumph is a hollow victory, as they are forever cursed with the label of convict and the scars of the nightmare life from behind bars. But for those who never again got the chance to breathe air as a free man or a woman, their souls in the afterlife are doomed to haunt the grounds of their captivity for eternity. Wow. Are you, Archie, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. You guys are a mess today, <laughs>
2: both of you so many issues
1: going
0: so on so many going on it's ridiculous. Was gonna say today yeah just
2: extra today a little extra
0: well we're a little extra today <laughs> that's how we roll
2: i
1: think it's because we started early everybody's like what is happening but it's too <laughs> early i can't even deal so yeah i thought that was a really good like summation of life as somebody who has been in jail um i'll take them at the word because i've never been in jail as of this recording <laughs> Uh, so this location has been featured on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and I love them, BuzzFeed Unsolved. (laughs) So of all the prisoners who have taken up residence at the old jail, there is perhaps none more infamous than Lavinia Fisher. And she is considered to be, she's considered to be the country's first female serial killer, but in actuality, she is just the first to be recognized for this almost distinction. They actually feel, think that she's South Carolina's first female serial killer. Oh, okay. Yes. So little information is actually known about her backstory, but it is believed that she had lived in America for most of her life. I'm sorry, Chewbacca, is there, am I in your way? Hi there, sweetheart.
0: Oh, Hi. your little co-host.
1: What is known for certain is that she went on to marry a man by the name of John Fisher and Lavinia and John became notorious after their arrest and conviction. Uh, there is actually a little bit of debate about whether or not Lavinia was actually a killer or just an accessory to the murders committed. However, the most common belief today is that she was not only a killer, but a savage as well. And I'll let you guys decide that uh, when I get done telling her story and Laura, you might know her story. Cause I think they've covered her in uh, my favorite murder. Yeah, I definitely heard that episode. Yeah. So the murders at the Six Mile Wayfarer House. So Lavinia and her husband, John, were the owners of a Charleston inn called the Six Mile Wayfarer House, a reference to the hotel's location as it was situated six miles north of the city of Charleston.
0: No. (laughs) Very creative.
1: (laughs) It was was a nice, even number. Um, They just, hey, six sounds good. Let's just call it that. Um, So during their era of managing this six-mile house, in the early part of the 19th century, reports of guests disappearing commonly made their way to the sheriff. Uh, But despite these complaints, no action was ever taken against the couple at first, because Lavinia was beautiful and young and charming, and she and John were popular and regarded very highly amongst most of the locals. So... Uh, Their status didn't actually stop the stories from coming out. Rumors of how Lavinia would invite traveling businessmen to the inn for dinner uh, and then proceed to ask the individual questions regarding their job to ascertain how much money they had on their person. So once she found out that they had a little bit of money, well, uh uh-oh, too bad, so sad for them. After dinner, Lavinia would give the traveler a cup of tea spiked with poison. Once the traveler drank their tea and retired to their room, Uh, Lavinia's husband, John, would then enter the traveler's room where he would stab the person in their weakened state and then steal all of their belongings, later disposing of the body. Now, there is an alternate story of how they would also murder people, uh, which is basically the same thing. Lavinia taking up a larger role in the murders in this one, she would give the travelers a cup of tea. Made to only send the recipient into a deep sleep once the traveler had passed out on the bed for the night, she would then pull a special lever that would cause the bed to collapse, dropping the traveler into a pit filled with spikes. It sounds very, is it,
2: who is the Chicago murder house at Holmes?
1: Oh, H. H. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um So sensationalized rumors of the time have made it virtually impossible to actually know what is fact and what is fiction when it comes to the Fishers. However, there are some eyewitness accounts. So during the height of their criminal activity, vigilantes arrived from Charleston to clean up the Fishers' neighborhood of crime. Um, They apparently also had sort of like a little gang of people like with them that were part in cahoots with them in this. So they were considered like a gang. Um, The Fishers themselves were able to keep a low profile uh, while the vigilante group was around. Um, After some time, the group believed they had sufficiently dealt with their gang and they returned back to Charleston. Uh, But one of the members of the vigilante group was left behind to watch over the neighborhood and this man's name was David Ross. Uh, The following morning, Ross is taken captive and brought before the Fishers gang. He was terrified. He looked to Lavinia for help because, you know, she was the woman and she was, you know, everybody just expected her to be, you know, gracious and forgiving and whatever would help him. Um, it was futile. Uh, she reportedly choked him and then threw him headfirst through a window. Oh. <laughs> Quite the lady. <laughs> Somehow this guy was able to escape the gang and fled back to Charleston where he contacted the authorities. Another eyewitness uh, was a man by the name of John Peoples, and he had stumbled upon the Fishers Inn and asked Lavinia for a room. She informed him that she did not believe they had any vacancies, but did invite him in and offered him her signature cup of tea. Um, He accepted, however, not being a fan of tea, he actually dumped his cup out when she wasn't looking. (laughs) So, believing he had drunk the tea, she began to ask him questions about his dealings, sticking to her usual routine. And after she found out that he was a man of wealth, all of a sudden there was a free room after all. So he became very alarmed during his conversation with her and accepted the room anyway. Apparently, he was highly sus about this woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, please don't let it get in here.
2: <laughs> you Laura? <laughs> I, I'm going to have to resign my new position as
1: host if I have to listen to the word "sus." <laughs> he decided to rest in the room's chair instead of the bed itself. Shortly after he drifted off to sleep, apparently he woke to the sound of the bed collapsing, taking notice of the Fishers in action. He immediately jumped out of the room's window and made his way to Charleston, where he informed the authorities with the accounts of this gentleman and the other one, police were finally able to imprison the Fishers and their gang." So that that's a lot going on for these people. Can't you just run a quiet country in? What the fuck? <laughs>
0: Apparently not.
1: <laughs> Apparently not. Um, I you need a gang and a
2: pit full of spikes. And it's that's just too been much. interesting.
1: It's I'm just like it's too quiet. It's too quiet. far <laughs> too much work. I am moving to the country, um, and I'm not going to do any of this. It's just far too much work. Plus, you guys are still going to be here, and it's there goes my gang. Right. <laughs> um, the fishers were taken to the old jail where they awaited trial. The two were sentenced to hang for their crimes. As the execution date neared, sorry to giggle before I say that sentence, but (laughs) John began to search for penance with the help of the minister revered, revered, no, reverend Richard Furman. However, Lavinia did not seem to care about atoning for her sins. Um, Apparently, desperate to save themselves from the gallows, John and Lavinia had immediately staged an appeal, and the judge actually agreed to hear it when the courts came back into session early next year. But they had to sit in the Charleston jail until their hearing. They were too impatient, so they devised a plan to escape several months um, earlier in September. They created a rope out of prison linens and attempted to climb over the walls to freedom, but their plan proved unsuccessful when their flimsy linen rope thing broke after only john had gotten free refusing to leave lavinia alone in the cell john returned to the prison now that's a true blue husband dumb ass <laughs> <laughs> all right i would have been gone sorry for anybody that would want to marry laura or archie they will leave you in prison um, <laughs> So refusing to leave her alone, he returned to the prison. The guards were now aware of just how devious the couple was, and they were kept under much heavier watch to prevent any further chance of escape. Uh, On February 4th, 1820, the judge rejected their appeal, obviously. (laughs) The couple was to be hanged at the gallows of the Charleston jail on February 18th. John and Lavinia reacted in two very different ways. So he pleaded for forgiveness um, as his final moments approached. Uh, Lavinia actually did her best to avoid being executed, stating that she was a wife and couldn't be executed because of some moral or actual law that, that just couldn't be done to a married woman. I didn't look that up. Times
0: were different. Times were different. Mm-hmm.
1: Times were different. Um, so uh, the prison official said, okay, uh, well, we'll just execute John first. So oh, they did. <laughs> and now she was no longer a wife. Right? <laughs> So that was that on that.
0: Times were not so different. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, So she did use her last minute to mock the crowd that came out to see her um, be hanged. She was wearing her wedding dress. Uh, As Archie mentioned, um, rumor has it that she taunted them by saying, if you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. Something along those lines. In a final act of defiance, she actually fastened and tightened the noose around her neck herself. And in one last fuck you to the prison officials, she jumped off the scaffold before they could actually drop the bottom out of it and kill her. She killed herself first. So after the rope cracked, Lavinia was buried in the old jail cemetery and to this very day, many claim the ghost of Lavinia still haunts the old jail with sightings um, coming, stories of sightings coming from both locals and tourists alike. So let's talk about some of those. Um, There have been many strange happenings that have occurred over the years at the old Charleston jail. One of the first modern day reported encounters took place when the prison was undergoing renovations in the year 2000. So Archie, a little bit um, going back to what you were talking about, about how they had changed the building into that, um, that school for building engineering. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, It was really, it was really interesting in the, The kids got, or kids, students, I guess, shouldn't call them kids. (laughs) God, look how old I am. Get off my lawn! Um, (laughs) Jesus. Um, The students got to, to learn there because, like you said, they were... Renovating the building, and so they got hands-on experience. And I guess the building is also made from six different types of building materials. So there was stone, there was drywall, there was wood. There was so they got to learn so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really would be an ideal learning environment, especially for a restorative. Yeah, kind of companies. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Um, so the prison had actually been sealed off for months to avoid lead paint contamination. Um, And when the construction workers would return each day, they would discover in the dust, there were human footprints. So they would have to go through and like, they had to go through and remove the floors and the ceiling to replace them. So every day there would be two to three inches of sawdust and plaster dust all over the floors. At the end of the day, they'd lock up, they'd set the alarm and they'd go home for the day. And then the next morning they'd come into dozens and dozens of footprints in the sawdust, bare feet, bones, Bones, no boots. <laughs> Those sound the same, right? Wow. They look the same, right?
0: Wow! Jesus, it was doing too much true true crime stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: There's just <is> bones everywhere. <laughs> Wrong podcast, Karen. <laughs> um, bare feet, boots, like the whole bit. And the alarm would never have been tripped once. So during the renovation process, workers would continue to deal with similar oddities. Um, But there was nothing quite like one night when they saw the ghost of a former prison guard with a rifle in hand patrolling the third floor of the jail. The guard seemingly began to charge toward the construction workers before vanishing, thinking they're thinking that maybe the guard thought that some of the inmates were attempting a jailbreak. So that would be really terrifying to see this like armed prison guard running at you, towards you with a gun. Yeah. That would be horrifying. And, uh, you know, in that moment, in your mind, you're like, is this shit real? Is it a reenactor? Is this a ghost? Ghost is probably not going to be your first thought.
2: I you probably think it's a nutcase.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like some nutter that broke in and
2: was <laughs> dressed up and, you know. Right. It's not a nice word, but, you know, um, like this, someone out of their mind, like going in there and right. acting and doing
0: some Like, like a method stuff, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Method actor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, that kind of meth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> different kinds of method
1: or meth. Me- me- um, meth, method, meth. But yeah, so it would be really terrifying and scary, and then the guy disappears in front of you. So then that's a whole nother like shift in gears in your mind. That you're like, wait a minute, did I just dream that? It's it's a lot. Some of the other more common ongoings within the old jail. Wow, old jail. Mm-hmm. Include the sounds of um, the no longer operational dumbwaiter moving between the floors, and vanishing items like jewelry. I can't quite figure out why jewelry is being, you know, taken off and set down around this place, but apparently it goes missing. Uh, perhaps the ghost of Lavinia has a taste for the finer things, even in the afterlife. Um, bear in mind, people who have walked to the jail have been known to, or walked into the jail, have been known to complain about being touched or grabbed by an unknown presence while inside. Others have also experienced unexplained scratches while touring the jail's grounds, which is terrible and awful. There have been multiple sightings of Fisher walking around the old city jail and paranormal teams even got a recording of her speaking. When they asked her a question, she answered the devil. So this broad is still, you know, Got it on for the devil. Um, There have been pictures and videos taken of her ghost as well. In fact, it was reported within hours of her execution, inmates in the jail who had no knowledge of her dying in her wedding dress began to complain of seeing a woman in a long white dress moving through the walls of the jail. So there was no introductory period after she died. That was just straight, bam, go haunt. (laughs) She seemed like
2: a woman who was going to get some shit done, you know?
1: (laughs) Dedicated. Um, So this article that I read, they chatted with a woman who had decided to go on a tour of the building. And she was very excited because she had never done anything like this before. Um, She, after the tour, she said, she will never go on another haunted tour ever again. So I was like, Ooh, I got to hear this story. What happened? Um, her story apparently begins in the, at the front door of the jail. The woman took what she says was hundreds of photos and she didn't see very much at the beginning of the tour. She said it was all all right, but then she was actually starting to get bored with the history lesson. Then she saw something. She saw a man walking from one side of the hall to another. When she asked about him, the tour guide said, Ted told her, oh, that that's Mr. Fisher. First thing you see is a serial killer, creepy um as the tour began walking further into the jail the woman felt something tug on her hair she jumped and asked if anyone had seen anything no one had so she kept going about her business minutes later the woman said she felt someone's hands around her neck she wasn't able to breathe and the tour guide thought she was having a cardiac she was going into cardiac arrest after about five minutes the woman was back to normal Um, when the tour group asked her if she was all right, she told them someone was choking her. She immediately left the jail and ended the tour for herself. So something like that, I think is absolutely horrifying. I think um, as a paranormal investigator, you make the decision to go into those places, spend time in those places and look around, like you almost like, you have that in your mind that that could very well happen to you. As a tourist, going on one of these haunted tours, which are designed to be thematic and scary, and they have a script, and they're, they're the purpose of them is to scare you. So maybe she thought maybe she'd get a picture of a ghost or whatever. I, I just think it's a very different um, horrible experience for somebody who, yes, goes on a haunted tour, but again, it's those tours are designed to be scary. And then to have that happen to you, that's a little bit more than I think the average haunted tourist bargains for.
2: Yeah, they don't, I don't think they actually think that anything real is going to happen to them, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they may have like a hope that they see a ghost or, you know, something like that. But really, they usually just go for the theatrics and it's fun and it's history and, you know, all that. Yeah. It's very different if all of a sudden you're getting attacked. You're getting choked out. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's an MMA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I read that and I was like, that is a very different um experience that you think you'll have when going on one of these tours. But I mean and then and there's no reason to have, to say that, you know, she should have expected she went on a on a tour. She should have, you know, she really shouldn't be surprised if something happened to her. Mm, yeah, kinda. You know. <laughs> Kind of. Um, If you're a paranormal investigator and you go in and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so surprised that happened. Well, then you're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You went in looking for it. So there's that on that. Um, Many tour guides have reported being manhandled in the jail by ghosts and seeing orbs Um, again orbs. I kind of can take them or leave them, um, simply because it's too easy to mistake uh, dust or um, a bug or something like that from an orb, unless you have a, if unless you're really really trained in in what they look like. And I'm not quite yet. I do know that they do have a different um, uh, look to them. There's more of a fluidity in the in inside an orb, a genuine orb, than like a dust particle. But again, my eye's not trained enough yet to to be able to distinguish it. So right now I'm just sort of like, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Send it to Tony and Chris. Have them confirm. (laughs) Um, But most times it's dust, unfortunately. Um, Closing up one night and an an employee had been, had walked into a room in the back of the jail and he felt someone shove him from behind. He turned around and no one was there. That would be awful. In my case, I would have been like, "Mm, I probably tripped and look for something that I tripped on. But I mean, you definitely know the difference between tripping and somebody shoving you. Someone shoved this man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, That moment stuck with him. And every time he's got to go in it, he thinks, you know, he remembers this experience. So about 10 years later, he was talking with one of the tour guides from bulldog tours. And I'm going to mention them often in my part from now on, but He mentioned to her that he never liked that room and she she asked why he told her his story. And she was like, Oh yeah. So-and-so who was housed there is known for liking to push people. And I was like, well, that information would have been helpful about 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Now there is an old wheelchair in the hallway on one of the floors. Apparently there was a young boy who died in this jail and he now haunts this area. He pushes the chair around as if he's playing with it. So it's not uncommon to see this thing moving by itself. So Another um, guest had said that they were able to visit the infirmary, which was also used as a morgue and a storeroom. Apparently in this room, there is a spirit that haunts the area and makes himself known by swinging the wires hanging from the ceiling. So that's not creepy at all in a morgue. (laughs) (laughs) So I read an article written by Greg Hambrick for the Charleston city paper. And he took the opportunity to go and do a paranormal investigation of the jail with Southern Paranormal Investigations. Um, He admits right away that he is a little, you know, squeamish and like, not squeamish, but just sort of like easily panicked. Um, So it was quite an amusing uh, article. I really did enjoy it. But he says that our initial walkthrough of the building um, really warranted little attention from the investigators. Um, He did follow one of them named Suzanne, um, and another local tour guide up to the third floor of the guards' quarters. A bit ahead of the investigators, they were met by a strange smell on the floor. And Suzanne, a tour guide, she's like, oh, yeah, that's Cletus.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's, so he's a stinky ghost? Is that what? <laughs> apparently, yes. Oh. So he he does realize that, you know, considering it's often her job to freak people out, he didn't really pay too much attention. But once the lead investigator made it to the floor, he asked Suzanne if other mediums or investigators have ever sensed a man on that floor. And she smiled and made this journalist a little like, "Uh uh-oh, don't like that smile. So they hang out for a while. Uh, Cletus doesn't give them anything else except for some stink. Uh, As they're leaving the room, one of the investigators asks the journalist if he's religious um, sort of, I tell him. He asks if I go to church. No, that's the sort of part. Well, do you pray? The journalist says, yes, even, you know, even though that's really left for weddings, funerals, et cetera, um, I pray a little. So the guy tells him to go to that white place you find in prayer. And the journalist is like, great. Maybe we could have had this little talk before meeting Cletus. <laughs> 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 so... They head back over to the cells and the group finds a presence in one of the smaller rooms built in the later jails history. Standing in silence, he inexplicably felt the hairs on his arms rise without a cause. And the second before one of the investigators standing across the room looks up, they say, did you feel that? So right about that time, nobody's speaking. All of a sudden, this guy gets the super creepy heebie-jeebies. And then almost immediately, somebody standing across the room from him says, did you feel that? So that's one of those situational things where you know where you're at, you know, who's in the room with you and you know what's going on. And two people not standing anywhere next to each other have some sort of a similar moment where that's kind of hard to explain scientifically if other people in the room don't experience it as well. So like a cold breeze or whatever, you know what I mean?
0: Mm
1: I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, they sat quietly as the lead investigator and the others try to go the ghost for information. Who are you? If there's someone here, make a noise in the room. If there's someone here, please, you know, touch somebody in the room. And the journalist, he's like, internally, I yell from my white place, don't touch anyone else but me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This poor guy, yeah. It turns out there was in fact a story about that room. Uh, Suzanne, one of the tour guides, tells us of a young black woman jailed and abused until she was left for dead. With each detail of the story she gives, a rush of cool air envelops the room. Sellers confirms that he is sensing a young woman there and that there seems to be a presence in the hallway that continues to haunt the girl's spirit. So this poor girl is not was not only tormented life, but is still being tormented in death by um, yet another spirit there at this place so i thought that was kind of i thought that was kind of sad but so many of these locations have that kind of a story you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah they do
1: so um another reporter for abc4 she went again same situation like she just went to like tag along with the paranormal investigative company to the old city jail she was standing outside a room with only one thing inside of it which was this old decrepit wheelchair A person next to her whipped out um, his iPhone and shined a light inside the room while recording Uh, little balls of light or dust flew by the camera, whimsically Mm -hmm. dancing around the light from the phone. She writes, the guy was truly in awe of what he was seeing. He's like, look at that. See that, see those balls of light. Um, And she says, the truth is I did. But again, my logical brain said it was dust. It was an old dusty jail. So apparently on a dare she sat in the old wooden cha- wooden wheelchair, this journalist, and it was located in a room on the second floor where Lavinia is said to haunt that area. So the mischievous side of the, the journalist rolled around the room in the wheelchair and even called out Lavinia's name. Oh my God. Mm-hmm, begging for her to give her a sign of her existence in the afterlife. But there was nothing until she stopped moving in the wheelchair. Sitting in the middle of the room in the wheelchair, she said, I felt the back of it rise up and dump me not so ladylike in the middle of the floor. I immediately jumped up running out of the room and saying, nope, nope, I'm done. (laughs) Which you can't really like, you kind of ask for that. I think, again, she went there. This is the difference between her and that tour guest. She went there with a paranormal investigative company. She taunted up, she, in, sitting in a wheelchair. So yeah, she, then she got pushed out of the wheelchair. So by nothing. So that's on you. Uh, <laughs> Your compassion is overwhelming. It's really <laughs> overwhelming, I know. So she says, as I was going through my images of the night, I noticed something very strange on the spiral staircase. I'll let you be the judge of what you see. But in my mind, it is the clear shape of a man walking up the stairs which I'm going to text this to you guys right now um, so that you can take a look at it. Doo, 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 doo. Here we go. It's, it's really difficult. Um, I kind of see it too, but again, she's already said what she thinks it is. Um, I do see the face of a man. It's just, it's, it's got a red backlight. So I think it's, it's difficult. So I sent it to you guys on messenger two images know, um, it, it appears the shape moves like it's coming closer so it's like does look like it's kind of walking up the stairs it could be shadow and light play or it could be something more so she said she showed this picture to her tour guide who quickly said oh lucky you you got a picture of thomas thomas apparently walks up and down this staircase and the hallways of the jail so it's really i mean it it like i can say it is hard to say i mean i can see i can certainly see a face but again, it's, it could be one of those situations of like matrixing where somebody said, Hey, I could see a head and shoulders. And then you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, Hey, so can I, instead of like,
2: yeah, it's like looking for stuff in the clouds there. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely say it's not clear enough to say one way or another there's like, you know, you can definitely see shadows and yeah, like there, yeah, exactly. there's like, it looks like a lot of light distortion maybe.
1: The face of it looks like a troll to me. If you ask me, <laughs> it's a really ugly man.
0: Sorry, Thomas. What do you think, Arch? Um, I mean, the only way that I'm seeing a face is the fact that I was told that there is one. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't.
1: And the red is throwing me off too. There's too much. Like yeah. you said, it's it's throwing me off. So I'm not really sure. We'll put, we'll definitely post it on our social media. Um, you guys take a look at it, see what you think, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. I'm always trying to hone my, my skills with regard to like photographs and stuff like that, um, reported paranormal activity. So, so I was able to find a, you know, me, Archie, I love a good trip advisor review This uh, individual and his wife gave the jail five stars and they say, quote, my wife and I booked the jail for a paranormal investigation and tried to get some others to join us, but everyone couldn't make it. So we did it alone along with our fantastic tour guide, Brian. We have seen some of the TV shows that have investigated this place and we wanted to give it a shot. My wife experienced something trying to jump on her back, but firmly told it that it didn't have permission to touch her and it, it immediately got off her back. I wish I could do that with my kid. (laughs) Cut off my back. I didn't do it. (laughs) Um, He goes on to say, we had devices that went off as we watched and asked questions, picked up stick figures on the SLS camera and heard movement and cell doors creaking open or closed. We are ready to do this again in the future. And we'll definitely ask for Brian again. Awesome place. This property has seen many sad things in its long history. Hope Bulldog Tours is allowed to continue to offer this place as a place to tour. That's what I have with the ghosts of the old city jail. Um, it seems like it's a, a, you know, a kind of like a, a plethora of different types of activity that you can find from residual hauntings to intelligent hauntings, everything like that. It is certainly a place that a lot of paranormal investigative groups like to go in and and, and check out. I didn't read anything about being able to like book it privately. I did read a lot of articles, these bulldog tours, they do, daytime tours, they do historical tours, they do the haunting tours in the day and the night. So I think if people are trying to do actual investigations, that's a little bit limited um, because other tours are going on at the same time. I've never once read anything about this location that allows you to book it privately, which is, I think, key if you're going to try to get as clear evidence as you possibly can. The others wandering around, it's just too- Yeah, yeah, too chaotic. Exactly, yeah. So in my closing, I did find that Jack Kelly, uh, who is a guide for bulldog tours and one of the few who actually conducts tours of the old city jail consistently, um, said that former tour guides have claimed to see things so frightening in the jail that they simply couldn't go back inside so they will not do tours of that location. But he says that this building definitely changes your perceptions of what you believe in. And I wouldn't have believed it before I started working here. Over the last year, the most unsettling experiences were the few times that guests on his tours would have had physical reactions. He claims to have seen guests leave in tears with scratch marks on them. Uh, Whether or not you believe in the paranormal, Kelly says that unexplainable things have happened during his time as a guide. These are true stories, but my job is to scare you. That's why people show up. They wanna have a good time. They wanna be entertained. They wanna be scared. But nothing I'm telling you is untrue. So these stories, while they are terrifying, are part of the haunted history of the low country. They do help us remember how far we've come and maybe even help you reconsider what you believe. Bulldog Tours is widely regarded as one of the best tour experiences in Charleston. They do offer a number of tours, including ghost tours, history tours, and food tours. So the next time you're in Charleston, definitely check them out. And in my note before you go, they don't really have a website. Uh, they are located at 21 Magazine Street, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, 29401. Um, Bulldog Tours does seem to be the main tour company that handles tours of it. Their website is bulldogtours.com. And then you can also call them for ticket information at 843-722-8687. So that's that's what I got on the old city jail in charleston south carolina guys what you think that's good i i like it i i I don't it seems to have a high amount of are you guys doing dogs that interrupt stuff no way it does seem to have a high amount of activity where people get hurt uh, scratched, sort of attacked, so that that's a little concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's take a look at some of the people that were housed there. They're throwing people in pits with spikes. So uh, why wouldn't their hauntings be just as scary? And <laughs> right, why would they? Why would they stop
2: being aggressive now?
1: So that's what I have. I think it's wonderful. Uh, Laura, did we? I think we did. We did map how far my new house is from Charleston yesterday. Yeah, I think it's
2: just. A, it's just. A,
1: like a six six and a half hour drive.
2: I think that was Savannah. I, it wasn't. Yeah, was, it was that Savannah? It was. They're well. Both locations are definitely road trip able.
0: You know, yeah, definitely
2: in the realm of being able to do that pretty pretty easily. So yeah,
1: very cool. It's exciting. Um, I there's so much back east there that oh goodness uh, we want to go and investigate and see and do and. Um, so we're going to be able to bring you guys a lot more, um, information and pictures and stories and, and things like that. Archie's going to have to, okay, it's five hours.
2: Yeah, not too bad.
1: Yeah, it's not bad at all. All right. So that's what I've got guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you both for hanging out with me for a double recording today. We've got a few more of those on the books in the coming weeks, but, um, yeah, Arch, why don't you tell everybody? Where they can find us after you sneeze, because it looks like you're about to.
0: There he goes. He's got us (laughs) muted. (laughs) Oh, thank God for the mute button. (laughs) Uh, We can be found anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We are also at www.hohpodcast.com, Patreon slash HOH podcast, and all over social media. At, you guessed it, hohpodcast.com. Yes, exactly. And as
1: always, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.